Welcome to a podcast highlighting a paper in the September 2015 issue of the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition. My name is Dr. Kelly Tappenden, Editor-in-Chief of JPEN, and I'm fortunate to be here today with Dr. Charlene Kompfer, who is Professor of Nutrition Science at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. We're going to be discussing a paper today entitled Clinical Outcomes in Critically Ill Patients Associated with the Use of Complex Versus Weight-Only Predictive Energy Equations. Welcome, Dr. Comfort. Thank you, Kelly. It's nice to be here. Thank you. So you've conducted this important work in collaboration with Dr. Darren Halen's group and the surveys that he's been doing, the Improving Nutrition Practices and the Clinically Ill International Nutrition Surveys. Tell us about the impetus for this collaboration and why you conducted this specific work. That is a fascinating and probably surprising question that you've asked. I read one of Dr. Halen's earlier papers. I think it had a catchy title called depends on how you cut the cake. And what impressed me so much in that paper was the careful analytic approach he took to ensuring that the samples in these large databases had uniform levels of acuity and that variables that were potentially biased were corrected for in a way that gave them much more meaning. One example of this is the discharge of length of stay can be biased when you don't take care of patients who die early because an early death looks like a short length of stay, which is not an advantage. We're much more interested as nutrition people in patients who can be supported to be discharged alive. So those are the ones that we care about. And he had statistical approaches to generate that more meaningful data. So in response to his publication, his email address was at the bottom of the PDF file, much as they are in JPEN, and I sent him an email and I said, you know, I'm really impressed with the analytical approach you took. Did you consider looking at whether the type of predictive equation that was used to assess energy requirements was in any way linked to either mortality or time to discharge alive. And his response was very quickly, no, but I'd like to see you do that. We've had a very companionable and efficient collaboration since that time looking at various important questions in his uh, INS database. That sounds great. It's just the type of of relationship we want to have among scientists. Now, you know, the conversation over the recent years have been how much should we feed critically ill patients? Should they be aggressively fed right at their requirement? Should there be permissive underfeeding? You know, it it all is dependent upon us being able to accurately assess what their energy requirement is, right? So I think that this is such an important question. Tell us about your methodology. You went into this very large database 
I see here that you have 3,356 ICUs that were studied, 5,672 patients. It's just a very large sample size. So tell us what you did in, in looking into this database and answering your question. So this is an example of a secondary data analysis. We obtained a fully de-identified data set from Dr. Halen's group, and we looked at the type of energy prediction equation that was used. There were 11 or 12 different ones that were used, but several of them were used by such a small number of people that they were not usable in the overall data set. Sadly, indirect calorimetry was used by such a small number that we were not able to compare a measured energy expenditure. We didn't have the sample size for people using that method. So we looked at what method that they had used to predict the energy requirements and calculated whether the method that they used was related to 60-day mortality or time to discharge alive. Because those two events or outcomes are competing, right, the mortality also has an impact on time. Some patients could look like they were being discharged earlier when, in fact, there had been a death. Right. So one of the strengths of this data that is that it has complete ascertainment of 60-day mortality and of the discharges within a 60-day time window. So for every one of those thousands of patients, we know who died, we know when they died, so that we can statistically adjust our model for length of stay for the patients who died so that now we have time to discharge alive. You've actually just brought up my next question, and that is, how did you deal with these data statistically? So it's important to remove the patients who died before 60 days from the consideration of the length of stay. So the statistical approach is since our length of stay was 60 days, was the 60 days was the observation time, we made all the patients who died within that 60-day window, we moved their time of death to be 61 days so that they were not considered in the length of stay variable. So now what we have is all the patients in that window were discharged alive. The question is, what was the day, how many days were they dis was it until they were discharged alive? It's a simple statistical procedure, but one that most people don't think about doing. Absolutely. And then you used a Cox proportional hazards model to allow for comparing that time to discharge alive within energy production groups, BMI categories, energy intake, I suppose nesting then the ICU and demographic data. Yes, that's exactly what we did. We had assumed that it was possible that, especially with obese patients, that no matter what equation was used, the interpretation might have been different than it was for non-obese. So we wanted to look at whether the BMI group made a difference. And we basically did what you just 
described, looking at the outcomes. We did adjust the, the models for all of the variables that we know are important. We adjusted for age because uh, older people are less likely to survive an ICU stay. Um, and we adjusted for the Apache 2 score, which is one of the acuity markers. We adjusted for any variable that was statistically related at a high enough level in the model, and we needed to control for the ICU region because regional differences, this is an international data set, and there are regional differences in how ICUs are run and bed availability, nursing staff. There are many factors that can also independently influence outcomes like mortality and length of stay. And we also had a variable for each specific ICU so that these are just control variables so that we know we were doing our best job to control all the information we could independently of energy intake that might affect these outcomes. Very good. So tell us what you discovered. In order to have adequate sample size, we needed to group together all of the sites that used equations that were based on height, weight, and age, and that was a number of them, and then others used just a calorie per kilogram level. So we call those weight-only equations. There was no difference, actually, between the use of those more complex equations and weight-only equations in terms of mortality. However, obesity and higher energy intake had lower odds of mortality. And with obesity, the odds of mortality were reduced about 17%. The odds ratio was 0.83. And with higher energy intake, the mortality was reduced about 35%. The odds ratio was 0.65. In this paper, we did not look at the effect of protein intake, but Michelle Nicolo went on to look at that in another paper that is also published later in JPEN. We also found that time to discharge alive was shorter when Patients were fed using weight-only equations, calories per kilogram, especially in the patients staying in the ICU more than four days, but and when they had greater energy intake in the patients who were in the ICU more than 12 days. So we did the initial analysis in all the patients who stayed in the ICU at least four days and then we did a sensitivity analysis just to confirm these findings in a subset of patients who stayed in the ICU 12 days or more. Generally, the ones who stay 12 days or more are somewhat more critically ill, more complicated, and um, so their intake may be even more important. So in summary, what we found is that in this database, having higher energy intake and obesity, there was lower mortality. 
and time to discharge alive was shorter when you used weight-only equations and if you gave greater energy intake. Do you think that these data have any implication then or insight into potential limitations of some of the more complex formulas as opposed to a more simple weight-only equation? That's an outstanding question and one that we honestly don't know the answer to. This study is somewhat limited because patients only receive less than 70% of their goal intake. This is real-time collection of actual energy intake, largely by enteral feedings. And so we know that patients often don't receive their full goal. It's very hard to take a firm stand on weight-based equations versus more complex equations whenever you don't have patients receiving close to 100% of what they should be. But on the other hand, the intake that people got here is very similar to what's been reported in almost every clinical trial reported to date in ICU patients. So it's the real world, but I'm not convinced that we should give up more complex equations yet. Sure, very good. So at this point, uh, implications regarding changing clinical practice, we wouldn't be able to do that based on this study alone, but would need something where energy intake would be far more comparable or at that ideal estimated rate. Correct? Yes, I think that's true. We need data where people actually achieve their goal using one of these two methods. And in the best scenario, it would also be elegant to have a situation where we also have patients fed using indirect calorimetry, where we know that they are actively being measured and that the estimated requirements are right in line with what they're burning. And to date, we don't have a large enough sample size to do that comparison, but that would be really telling if we could do a head-to-head comparison of mortality and time to discharge alive when you're being fed according to your measured energy expenditure, when you're using a complex equation versus when you're using calories per kilogram. Dr. Comfort, that sounds like an outstanding study that I would like to challenge you and your colleagues to consider conducting. Uh, Thank you so very much for joining us on this podcast for the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition. Thank you. 